Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where the discussion ranges from employee safety, environmental protection, policy creation, training methods, employee engagement, and everything in between. Your host is Dr. Mark French. As an industrial and organizational psychologist and certified safety professional, he's going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in EHS and how they impact our everyday workplace. Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Hi, I'm Mark. Welcome to this episode. So happy you've chosen to join me. This is the podcast where we talk about how safety is that leading edge, that tip of the spear to help really revolutionize your organization. Because to understand safety, you have to really understand your organization, all the components of it, if, if you're doing it right. And that's what we want to talk about. How do we get better at protecting our people? And that's the goal. Glad you could join me. I want to start things off with some just absolutely shameless self-promotion. So coming up next week is a fantastic opportunity to learn about more about your sustainable safety culture. How do you create it? What mechanisms are needed to really develop that program? This is part of the National Safety Council Safety and Health Magazine webinar series. I'm part of a group uh, along with Alert Media that will be speaking about that topic. And again, I've kind of hinted at this, but this really isn't a sales pitch. We're going to be talking about some real actionable, also the philosophy, the psychology of how do you create a sustainable safety culture. So there's still plenty of time to sign up. There's still plenty of room because it's virtual webinar. So I'd love to have you join it if you're interested in that topic. Again, it's next week. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, sign up on their webpage. If you just search uh, Safety and Health Magazine webinars, you'll pretty much be taken right to the pages. You can find the one about creating a sustainable safety culture. Join us. Love to have your input to it also. How did it go? What did you like? What did you didn't like? Uh, we can't get better unless we hear feedback. <laughs> now, I love feedback. Helps me uh, refine what I'm doing. So then later in February is the ATSSA's annual conference and expo. It's in Tampa, Florida. Beautiful location. Uh, I know we're still in the midst of COVID. We're hoping, really hoping that everything will start to be on the downslope by then. There are precautions that will be in place there. I'm not sure about virtual versus in person. I'm going to be there in person. And we're, I'm going to be talking about uh, how to create awareness or want to drive the, the motivation for awareness in adult learning. And that's a lot of safety is how do we motivate people to want to learn about safety and then implement it. And it all begins with that desire to know more about safety. I, I want to know what I can do. Therefore, how do we create that? And uh, 
Hopefully, I have a great presentation. I've got it ready. <laughs> I've reviewed it a couple of times. I'm excited to present there. Uh, my first time there, I've got a lot to learn. Uh, first time in my career, I've been kind of in that world of traffic safety as part of my job. So I'm excited to be there and to learn and to meet and network. But I'm also really excited and honored to be a speaker to talk about this basic principle that applies to anyone, regardless of what you work in, the motivation to create safety awareness, that desire is universal. So excited to talk about it, really excited to be there as part of that presentation. Uh, there's still tons of room to sign up. I know they said that most of the time there's a lot of late registration. So really excited about those opportunities. If you're able to join any of those, absolutely, please do. Uh, if And also, would let me know that you're there. That'd be great. Love to meet some people. Anyway, so let's jump into COVID-19. We're, I kind of hinted at that. It's still affecting a lot of what we're doing. Some early signs are showing that we may be over the peak, at least this last peak, uh, possibly. We'll see where that goes. It's kind of a little bit unpredictable. I mean, generally speaking, when people get together, we've seen a spike, no surprise, with the new variant. And I even had my bout of it early in the year. That was kind of my New Year's gift to myself. And glad that's over. <laughs> so the Supreme Court did uh, knock down the, the OSHA ETS for whatever reasons. There was various arguments for or against. But we still see a lot of municipalities, states, cities that are doing their own programs, that they're forcing whatever regulation there is. I think New York City is probably the biggest and most famous for having a mandate in place. And part of my business uh, that I do professionally as a safety person, not as part of my consulting part, but my, my day job, does have workers in New York. So I've had to really look at what is the standard. I would recommend that if you search the New York City COVID-19 mandate, find the link for the National Law Review article. It's good. It One, you don't have to really read it, but it has all the links in one place that you're going to need to read the policy. It has the order. It has the New York City guidance. It also has the, the FAQs that the city put out, which is probably the most handy part of explaining what we have to do and who's even is it part, are you mandated to be there? And a lot of it, if one thing that I really looked at was the solo worker. So if you're someone who's pretty much on your own, you're not interacting with the public, you're not interacting with other coworkers, you're kind of that solo service person that's in and out, no, no really interaction with people. There's some information about that. So if you just need to randomly check in or you have to use the restroom, there's some actual availability there and flexibility within it. And so you want to be educated about it. This has scared a lot of employers and businesses because all it takes is for someone to make a phone call or to report it to start the investigation. And the fines can be pretty steep. I mean, $1,000 a fine could be pretty large when you talk about a lot of people. So uh, there's signage that has to be posted. There's certain things that have to happen. So if you're in New York City or you do work in New York City, I would look at this. And I think a lot of other larger municipalities are probably looking to see where the success will be with this program. If there's success, how there's success, what does work, what doesn't work. There's going to be some learning along with any legal reviews that come from it. 
there's a lot of focus to see this. They were kind of the first and the largest to do this. So it's interesting to read through it to see what elements are in place, such as provisions for the solo worker, provisions for uh, sincerely held religious belief, exemptions from medical uh, accommodations that are needed. Uh, how do you check it? How do you validate it? What if it's a client or a subcontractor coming on? What does a proof of vaccination look like? All there. And it's documented pretty well. I'll say that at least it's a, uh, there's enough here to be able to understand the goals and to understand what needs to happen from an employer standpoint. And how do you manage your people and educate them about the provision of New York City, but also to think forward of what if this continues. So, oh goodness, I hope we're not still talking about this in a few months, but we probably will be. And if we are, what are we doing? And this could be a benchmark for that. I would recommend looking through it yourself because I could bore you to death with reading the details. And I don't like doing that. That bores me. So hmm. <laughs> we'll be back in a couple of moments. More leading and learning through safety coming up in just a moment. You've got a friend in the safety business. Who wants to help your team work safer? The safety dude. Who wants to help your leadership engage through safety? Again, the safety dude. Who is there to take your safety systems to the next level? That's right, the safety dude. Who has the knowledge and skill to drive safety ownership? You know it, the safety dude. So who is the safety dude? Dr. Mark French is an experienced and credentialized safety professional with a focus on the organizational psychology of your company. You can find a safety dude at TSD Amalgamated Safety Consulting, where he is ready to focus on your team's safety. www.tsdamalgamated.com. And welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Again, I'm Mark. I'm your host, and I'm so happy you're joining me. I talked earlier that I will be part of the ATSSA conference and expo convention coming up in February. We're looking forward to that, of course. got an email today about that, and something I probably thought about but didn't really think about is that they let me know that if I walk into the room and there's a video playing right before my, my talk starts, that that's normal because they're going to be running the national work zone memorial video for the year in the room uh, before I begin. So that'll be where that'll be going. And they, they actually gave me a link to the ATSSA foundation's national work zone memorial. And I decided to look at that. That's not something I had thought about or done in the past. And they do a very interesting job. Their goal is toward zero names. They want zero names on the list of someone who has lost their life in a work zone or on the road. And they actually have like a faces card and a memorandum video on here. And I think that's a lot of what brings my passion for safety is when you realize that these aren't statistics, they're people. And I know as safety people, we get that. And we're always advocating to everybody that message. And I think there's just some days, sometimes of the year, sometimes of whatever is going on in your life, your emotions 
are a little bit, I'm being very vulnerable here and I'm going to be okay with that. That's life, isn't it? And your emotions kind of run closer to your skin certain times for whatever reason. Uh, it's just there. And I was looking at this and it just, um, physically hurt. And I know there's families out there that are physically hurt for this. And I've seen the statistics. I've read the statistics of whether it be road workers, EMS personnel who have on the side of the road, police officers on the side of the road, garbage men who are picking up our trash, uh, very vulnerable, even though it's well lit, people just zoom past them, not thinking. We have responsibility as pedestrians for this. We, we, if you operate a motor vehicle and you have ever driven through a work zone, those workers probably are working with their head on a swivel. They're accustomed to the danger. They're used to it. They see it, but it's present always. They're also relying on us to be responsible, to not have our phones in our hand or distracted that we are focusing on. And we are looking around as drivers in these areas for people. Where are they? Uh, Are they present? And, this even extends past workers. I'm going to take this even a step further. And like, if you're driving through an area where you know there's a lot of kids or a school, are you paying attention? Are you taking a little more just effort in putting that focus on where people are? Things can be unpredictable. Things can happen. And even we may have our best reaction time and bad things can happen. And that doesn't stop the bad thing from happening whether we were completely in the right or not, we do our best and it's not always a hundred percent perfect, but we try to control. And here's that safety message. We control as much as we possibly can, because you're never going to be a hundred percent risk-free life is not 100% risk-free. There are things that are lower risk. There are things we can do to improve our risk reduction. And one of those is when we're behind the wheel of a car, are we paying attention even more so? Or one, are you paying attention? So be focused while driving, please. I'm not saying don't be focused while driving. It's easy to get distracted behind the wheel, though. There's always something else going on. Great song on the radio. Maybe there's something you see that you're like, what was that? That's weird. You got to check that out. But there are times also where you put a little bit additional focus. Those work zone areas where there's workers present. Uh, when you see a an emergency vehicle or yellow caution lights somewhere on the side of the road or going slowly down the road, are we watching more for that? Very important. And that's just a universal safety tip, I guess, that I wanted to put out there because this just really hit me this morning. And then I came across an article about the first... Uh, Michigan uh, had their first fatality of the year for Emosha, Myosha, and it happened in early or in the week or last week, and it was a fork truck injury where someone was outside the cab of a fork truck trying to operate it, and it crushed the individual. Heavy equipment, the the big vehicles, the big equipment, the big heavy items, they're certainly higher risk. They're so common, like cars on the road are common. A fork truck in a work area is common. We see it. Lots of people can operate a fork truck, but also with these big items come big risk and we have to manage that risk. And sometimes we, 
don't look at the risk as much as we should. And what I'm saying here is that you'll walk into a manufacturing or a warehouse environment and they will spend so much time teaching pedestrians to stop, look and listen, stop and point the direction you're going. And the fork truck drivers may be driving like they are on fire, just whipping it around, showing their skills on how fast they can move. And then they're rewarded for that fantastic productivity because they're just running wide open. And if they can figure out the code to get into the system and bypass the governor, do that too if they can, just to get it done because, hey, I might get a gift card or something for really rocking the day out. This is a two-way street. This is a two-way thing. It's the driver and the pedestrian working together. And only when you work together do you have that full, total 360 risk reduction. It takes both sides of it. You can't just overly punish and overly train one side or the other. It has to go both ways. And there has to be systems in place that motivate it both ways. We can't, on one side, put the person upon a pedestal that is driving like they're on fire and then ignore when we see things that are probably not what they should be doing to follow the correct operation of that. If we have no pedestrian areas, we got to enforce that. We've got to make sure that we're doing that because if you're not enforcing what you're teaching, then you create risk. And that risk is real when it comes to big vehicles, big risk. That was something that it looked like these two things came together for me for this part of it, this part of the podcast. And I want to really emphasize the idea that if you have this risk, we're training on it, we're teaching it, we're motivating it. And then on the flip side, if you're, when you go home that afternoon, don't forget to operate that vehicle safely as you're traveling, because we want to make sure we're totally safe, that we don't have those accidents, that we have zero names on the list. I love that idea. Zero names. It's not zero incidents, no OSHA recordables, zero names on the list. We want to start with focusing on the big risk and how do we prevent it. Thanks for joining me on this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Again, so happy you've joined me. Hopefully next week uh, you'll be able to join as part of the Safety and Health Magazine webinar. Look forward to that. Until next time we chat, stay safe. listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the conversation on the web at www.thesafetydude.org. All opinions expressed on the program are solely the view of the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.